Verse 21 is my key text here. Uh, Speaking of Christ, it says, Heaven must receive or embrace, welcome, celebrate Him. And he must, heaven must do that until the time for or of restoring all things. Now you can take this a uh, couple of different ways. You can take it by saying he, heaven must receive Christ. He must stay in heaven until, there's, until that time of restoration. You can take it that way. In other words, restoration or restitutions in the future. You can also take it like this. He must remain, he must be in heaven until the restoration has taken place. The restoring of all things. In other words, the process is now ongoing. The, pro- it's, uh, the progress is being expanded And once it is finished, then heaven will release the Messiah to return the second time. Uh, And he comes and crowns the finished work with his presence. An example of this might might be, uh, Jan the other night said, uh, "I'm I'm going to be in here until everything is cleaned up. And talking about the kitchen. Now, did she mean I'm going to be here and I'm going to wait and when everything's cleaned up, then I'm not going to be here anymore? Or did she mean I'm going to be here cleaning until it's all done? Which do you think she meant? Well, I can tell you, she wasn't waiting on me to clean it up. (laughs) I tend, at first I thought it was, he must be in heaven until it's time to restore everything. But I have, there's two reasons I have switched to this second one. That he is in the midst of restoration now, and in the progress and ultimate completion of all restoration, the last thing that he restores is in the resurrection. Let let me give you a couple of reasons I I hold to this because, first of all, in verse 24, he says, all the prophets have spoken of this, Acts 3.24, from Samuel and those that came after him proclaimed these days. So the restoration seems to be that the prophet spoke of was about these days that they were in. And another one is in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 24, I think says the same thing, only this time it's Paul, not Peter. 1 Corinthians 15, 24, then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom up to God the Father after he's destroyed every rule and authority and power, for he must reign until he's put all his enemies under his feet. And then the last enemy to be destroyed is death. So Jesus is not just sitting on the throne twiddling his thumbs. He's restoring things. 
He is restoring marriages. He's restoring relationships. He's restoring people to God. Amen? He, every day that goes by, there are thousands of people who come back to God through Jesus Christ, cleansed by the blood and filled with His Spirit. Every day all over the world. He's restoring. When He is done restoring, all that is going to be integrated into the great scheme and plan and purpose of God, then the last thing that has to be done is to get rid of death. And He does that at the second coming when He comes mightily and raises us from the dead and restores our body and spirit back together again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then, and Colossians 1.20 says he's going to restore all things. He's going to reconcile all things to himself. Everything's going to be integrated back into the purposes of Christ and everything that refuses is going to be cast out into the vast wasteland of the universe, the darkness that we call hell, the Bible calls hell. So ultimately what you have here is God is a restorer of all things through Christ. God loves restoration to legitimate ownership. Uh, I got a letter, our church got a letter recently, and um, uh, it, it was our address, but it was somebody else's name on it. And it had the return address, and I let it sit there. I, I, it had a check in it, but it wasn't to us. So, um, so it sat on my desk for a while. I thought, you know, it's courtesy. I'll stick this in an envelope and send it to the return address. So I did. And then I came across this passage. It says in Deuteronomy 22, 1, it says, You shall not see your brother's ox or sheep going astray and ignore them. You shall take them back to your brother. If he does not live near you and you don't know where he is or who he is, you shall bring it to your house until your brother seeks it, and then you give it to him. And you shall do the same with his donkey or his garment or anything of your brother's, which he loses, and you find it. You may not ignore it. And so when I read that, I thought, whew, just got under that one. <laughs> just got that in the mail yesterday. <laughs> then I happened to remember the others that I didn't return. So yeah, I was all messed up. But, but God doesn't even like lost things laying around. He wants it returned to its legitimate owner. He, he wants that which belongs to you, returned to you. And Jesus has, has come to restore the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son to its rightful owners. Hallelujah. So the, the, the restoration is like this. He wants to restore you to God... Amen? He wants to restore you to each other. Is there anybody you're not restored to tonight? He wants to restore marriages. He's, he's 
very enthusiastic about restoration. He prefers restoration over almost any other option. He wants to restore people to each other. If, if you're mad at somebody, he wants you to go to them. Um, here's what Jesus said in Matthew eighteen fifteen: If your brother shall trespass against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone, and then you have gained your brother. The point is to gain the brother. Don't... If somebody comes to you and they're mad at somebody, let's say they're mad at the preacher, just hypothetical, and they come to you and they tell you and you're like, really? Hmm. Hmm. Don't sympathize with them. Don't counsel them. Don't comfort them. I mean, you know, I just use myself. Maybe it's somebody else. They're mad at somebody else. Don't sympathize. Follow Jesus' instructions. Wait, I'm not in this little drama you got going on. You go back to the person to which you're offended and you go to them and gain your brother. Don't take them under your wing and comfort them. Follow Jesus' instruction. Why? Because God, this is the restoration era. We're in the time of restoration and restitution, bringing together, integration. So he restores you to God, people to each other, and he restores blessings to the Christian that, and the church that's legitimately theirs. We've lost it through, I don't know, we've, we, you can lose your blessings through sin, failures, carelessness. Have you, have you lost things through your own stupidity? Anybody ever been stupid? 2 Kings 6, 1. The sons of the prophets said to Elisha, See, the place where we dwell under your charge is too small. So let's go to the Jordan and each of us get a log and make a place to dwell there. And, and Elisha said, Go. And they, and they went out to the Jordan. They got where they were is too small for them. So they're going down to the Jordan. Everybody gets a big tree and they're going to make a big dwelling to dwell for them because it's, it's just not sufficient where they are. So they start cutting down these trees and, and this guy's axe head, he had borrowed an axe and his axe head flew off and went in the water. And he says to Elisha, alas, this is 2 Kings 6, he says, alas, master, it was borrowed. And now, if it had been me, and an axe head fell in the water, which is made of iron, right? And it fell in the water, I'd say that's a goner. <laughs> I'd said, time to borrow another one. Get the visa. But Elisha said, no, where did it fall? And he threw a tree, a piece of a tree in it, and the axe head floated to the surface. 
Hello. Supernatural restoration property and stuff. Have you ever lost anything? You pray to God. God, that belongs to me. Please send it back. Let me get it back. Maybe I was careless. I should have put an extra nail or something in that axe head to keep it. And it was my fault. But Lord, I pray you'd bring it back. God loves to restore things to its rightful owner. And he will do supernatural things to do it. So maybe you've lost opportunities, friendships. Maybe you've lost a marriage. Maybe you've lost your testimony, your good name. Maybe you've wasted some finances on foolishness. I'm preaching myself under conviction. Maybe you've lost health. Maybe you've lost your joy in worship and God. Remember Joel 2, 23? Be glad, O children of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for He's given the early rain for your vindication. He's poured down abundant rain, the early and latter rain. The threshing floors will be full of grain. The vats will overflow with wine, and I will restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten. I will restore the years the locusts have eaten. The army, that, that, loco, that army of locusts, which I sent in a judgment. Has God, do you feel like God's judged you for things? God said, I'll restore the areas, the barrenness that I brought. I, I brought it, but I'll restore it. Listen, if he brought it, he can, if he did it, he can undo it. And he promises to do so. Because he's, especially in this age in which Christ rules from heaven, Christ ruling from heaven is the time of restoration. Now let me give you the normal rule for restoration. It's in Exodus 22. Turn to the book of Exodus, chapter 22. And... um, And I, I'm going to read this. This is Exodus 22, verse 9. I'm going to read it from the New International Version because it really brings out what I want to say here. Exodus 22, verse 9. For every breach of trust... See, this is the general rule. There's some other rules uh, about restoration... Um, if someone steals like an ox or, and, they, and then they take it and they sell it. So there's, there's other exceptions to this general rule, but this is the general rule. Um, chapter Exodus 22, 9, For every breach of trust, whether it's for an ox, and then the NIV says, In all cases of illegal possession of an ox or a donkey or a sheep or a garment or any lost property, about which somebody says, uh, this is mine. 
Well, then both parties are to bring their cases before the judges, and the one whom the judges declare guilty must then pay double to his neighbor. Now, I want to move now to us regaining what we have lost. Because God not only wants to restore us to God and us to each other, but he wants to restore us to the inheritance which Jesus has purchased for us. He wants to restore the blessings to us that Satan steals. Got Jesus on the throne right now, enthroned in heaven, received and welcomed and embraced in heaven, is now restoring, and he was, he's restoring all things as the prophets spoke until the time in which he will restore even life to the dead. Now, the restoration that he's now doing, he is also restoring things to us that we have lost through sin and carelessness and our foolishness and lack of wisdom and sin. And and John 10.10 calls Satan the thief, the great thief. Jesus came to give us life and abundant life, but, but the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. So the thief has come. Now, in all cases of illegal possession... See, Satan's got some illegalities going on. He's got some things not his. And in those cases that this thief has come and stolen, what does the text say? He must pay back. And we might just stop right there and say, Hallelujah, he's got to give it back. And then second, he must pay back more than he took. Hallelujah. Restoration is not back to the way you were before. Jesus wants to make it better than before. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we have been stolen from. So what we have to do as Christians is to say, okay, Lord, I, my life has not pleased you, and my life is, uh, has been shot through with backslidden stage, uh, sections, and I'm coming tonight to repent, and I'm coming to reclaim my possessions as a child of God, which Jesus purchased for me at Calvary. Zechariah 9:11. I will free your prisoners from the pit, Return to your fortress, O prisoners of hope. And I announce, Zechariah 9, 12, that I will restore double to you. If you will return to the refuge, you prisoners of hope, you've had hope, but now you need to return to the refuge. Jesus is the refuge. Return to him, and he says, when you do that, I, I announce, the NIV says, that I will restore twice as much as you had before. Now, we've been stolen from, and it's time we take back our possessions from the enemy. And I, I think sometimes God will give us things just to see if we will guard it, if we will take care of it, if, if we're capable of warding off the devil from taking it from us. Because remember, 
and uh, we're going to look at this in the future. But right now, let me just say this. One of the things Jesus taught is that there's a, in the resurrection, there are, you're going to reign over cities. You're going, there's going, the future life is not just in heaven floating around on a cloud plucking a harp. It is reigning on earth. Amen? We're reigning. We're going to reign. We have to be mature adults. We have to grow up. We have to learn how to do things and manage worlds. And he's maturing us. Every tear we shed is part of that process. And so he gives to us some things and he wants us to not only keep it, but if we lose it, to reclaim it. So how do we, how do, we do this? Now I want to give you three quick, uh, I'll go through them as, as quick as you can listen. How to reclaim stolen property. If Satan has come, if the enemy has come, he's taken your joy, he's taken your marriage, he's taken your testimony, he's taken your faith. Satan can rob you blind till one day you say, I've had enough of this. Satan can take your money. He can take your tithe so that the church is impoverished. It can't pay its bills. The Satan loves to rob God's people of every aspect until they're just backed in a corner and have to stand up and say, I can't take any more. There's nothing else. You can't have another thing. Uh, so tonight, here's three ways to take what Satan has stolen. We want to take back what we have lost and get it in double, in duplicate. Hallelujah. That's what I want. I want duplicates. <laughs> okay, here's number one. How do we get it back in duplicate? Now, y'all are going to laugh at this. <laughs> I laugh at it. Maybe you won't. But notice what he says in Exodus 22, 9. For every breach of t- trust, whether it's an ox or a donkey or a sheep or a cloak, any lost thing which you've lost, and one says, this is the NIV, this is mine. Then the two parties shall come before God, and the one God or the judges condemn shall pay double. So the first thing is, you have to <laughs> claim it. <laughs> you have to claim it. Name it and claim it. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Well, this is mine. Blab it and grab it. <laughs> well, and, and look, I, I, I know this is, it gets hairy right in this area, but, but if you're going out tonight after the service is over and, and you're, you got your key and you're about to get in your car and there's some guy with a thing trying to unlock your car door, uh, what are you going to do? You're going to say, uh, pardon me, uh, I think that's my car you're trying to get into. <laughs> Uh, 
uh, if he says, no, I, I'm, I'm taking this car, would you put up any resistance? <laughs> would you call the police? I don't think you're going to just let somebody drive away in that which belongs to you. Now, here's the thing that I want you to see, and this is the basis on which we claim our inheritance. It's Isaiah 53, verse 10. It was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him, Jesus, to grief. And when his soul is made an offering for sin, then the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. When his soul is made an offering for sin, that Hebrew word for offering in Isaiah 53.10 that Jesus made, when he made his soul an offering, it is a restitution offering. In other words, everything that I owed to God with all the restitution that is required, Jesus made that payment. So that he made all that is needed to pay for me to get my inheritance back. Everything Adam lost, Jesus regained every bit of it. The earth is his and the fullness thereof. So that in Jesus Christ... I have legal right to my possessions. And boy, we just need to read the New Testament like it's a last will and testament giving us our possessions. We just eat that thing up. Find out what belongs to you and don't let go of it. So we claim what Jesus has purchased for us at the cross and allotted to us. Claim it. Name it and claim it. Second, we worship unconditionally, even if you don't see it immediately. Worship with all your heart unconditionally. Let me give you a couple of instances of this. Uh, Turn to 2 Samuel 12. 2 Samuel 12. 2 Samuel chapter 12, and this is where David lost his integrity, saw Bathsheba on the rooftops beneath the king's palace, sent and took her to himself. While his army was out fighting a battle, he's committing adultery in his bedroom. Now, folks, that's bad. I mean, this here's a man of God who evidently has lost it all. And look at what it says in verse 15. Nathan went to his house, that's the prophet, and the Lord afflicted the child that was Uriah's wife bore to David. Bathsheba was pregnant and, uh, and, and had this beautiful little baby. But it says, the Lord afflicted the child that Uriah's wife bore to David, and he became sick. And David began to pray, and David began to fast, and the child died. Now here is what David says. 
in verse 23, now he is dead, why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? This is 2 Samuel 12, 23. Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he will not return to me. Now, look at the next verse. And David comforted his wife Bathsheba and went into her and lay with her, and she bore a son, and he called his name Solomon, and the Lord loved him. In fact, the Lord loved him so much that the Lord sent a message to the prophet and said, Call him Jedidiah. What does Jedidiah mean? It means loved by the Lord. <laughs> he, the Lord named him. He gave him the greatest king in Israel to that date in history. The greatest king in Israel. That was his little son. Now notice this. He has a son, but he lost him. Really? I cannot bring him back but I can go to him. He's in heaven. David's going to go to heaven and be with his son in heaven. And Solomon. If you read Ecclesiastes, you know Solomon repented of all his sins at the end of his life. Solomon's going to be there. David got twofold. But what did he do? When in the midst of his loss, it says in verse 20, of 2 Samuel 12, verse 20. David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself, changed his clothes, and went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. He worshipped. Out of that, out of that worship, came that confidence that he would be restored to his little boy in heaven and the confidence that God would bless that little Son, even though he's illegitimate, another man's wife, but now here is the most beloved king in Israel. God restored. God can restore adulterers. God can restore. And the key is he worshipped. He worshipped right in the midst of the death of his son. When something bad happens, the last thing you, the first thing you, you, you tend to do is drop out of church. Right? You're hurting, you're suffering, you lose your job, your husband leaves you, your wife leaves you. The first thing you want to do is drop out of church. That's the last thing you need to do because worship releases a restorative process from heaven. Jesus is restoring all things and when you worship, that restoration just begins and reviving just begins. One other quick one. You know this one. But David got twofold, double. And it's the book of Job. You're, you're aware of this one? Job chapter 1, verse 2, says that Job had seven sons and three daughters. Job chapter 1, verse 2. And in verse 19, it says a tornado came in and killed all of them. They were all together celebrating a birthday or something, and a tornado came in, the roof fell and killed all of them. 
All of his sheep, he was the richest man in the east, and all of his sheep were hit by lightning bolt. Verse 16. And all of his camels were stolen by the Chaldeans. Verse 17. Now that's a bad day at work, folks. <laughs> all your children died, all your sheep are gone, all your, your houses fell in. I mean, that's a hard day. But Job chapter 1 verse 20, it says, Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head and fell on the ground and what? Worshipped. He worshipped. Once again, worship in the midst of the tragedy. And then you know the end of the story. Job chapter 42. How many sons and daughters did Job have? How many sons did he have? Seven sons. How many daughters did he have? What? Three daughters. And look at Job 42 and verse... What verse is it? 13. That's, uh, we'll start in verse Job 42, verse 10. The Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends and he gave to Job how much? Double. Twice as much. See, worship takes back what the devil steals. Worship takes back, it releases the power of God and angelic agencies to go and recoup everything your sins have, have, has blanked out of your life. That's why, guys, listen to this. That's why we need to pray for Bud. We need to pray for Dave. We need to pray for these bands. These guys lead the spiritual warfare on Sunday mornings. They're leading us right into the army, right into the battle. They're at the forefront. If we can't worship, we can't recoup lost territory. So they have to come on fire with God and right and pure before Him. And it says in Job 42, 12, the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. That's what we want. We want, we want your, what's in your future to be more blessed than what's in your past. He blessed his latter days more than his beginning. And he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, 1,000 donkeys. I don't know if that's rich or not, but I'm thinking it is. And he also had seven sons and three daughters. See, he's got seven sons in heaven, three daughters. Now he's got another seven sons on earth and three daughters. He's got them in both places, just like David. And what's the one common link? They worshipped in the midst of the tragedy. Truth is, a lot of people, they don't even worship in the midst of blessings. So they're probably not going to worship in the midst of pain. But how do we recoup? Claim it. Realize it's yours through the cross, Isaiah 53.10. Say, this is mine. Second, worship unconditionally, like David and Job. And then one final thing, and that is, be confident and expect God to do something. 
You, you can never be more confident or more expectant than God has promised. Luke 5, 4, Jesus had been speaking in a boat because in order to just kind of get out from the, off of the shoreline and he stood in a boat and spoke. And he says, when he finished speaking, he turned to Simon and he says, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Notice that plural, nets. Jesus said, go into the deep, take all your nets, put them out there. Simon, Peter, Master, we've told all night and took nothing. But at your word, we will let down the net, singular, is the way the one version has it. We will let down the net. When they had done this, they enclosed such a large number of fish and their nets were breaking and they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats and they began to sink so that everybody was astonished. What are you expecting Jesus to do? Don't rely on past experience. We've told all night. Okay, that doesn't matter. What matters is what Jesus said to do. So here's my message to you tonight. God wants to restore what you have lost. This is the time of restoration. We're in that, if I understand the Scriptures properly. We're in a time of restoration. Heaven must receive Jesus until all things are restored. And these are the days that all the prophets spoke of, the time of restoration, in which He's bringing people to God, He's bringing people to each other, and He's bringing our possessions back to us. He's teaching us how to reclaim and how to manage His resources. And when He does, He will always restore better. Has anybody ever lost a love, a true love in life? A girlfriend or boyfriend? Let me tell you, if you lose them, God's got somebody better. Amen? Somebody better. He will double your joy with the future blessings that He has. Maybe someone has died and your heart is broken tonight. This Easter season, I want you to remember this word. He's got something better. You know when the God gives them back to us in that day of resurrection, they will be given with an immortal imperishable body. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Never taken from us again. See, that's better. Always trust Him to give you something better. So I want to get your hopes up high. The world is good at at, at getting your hopes to crash. I want to lift your heart and your hopes in God to expect God to just do wonderful, wonderful things. Blessings, double blessings. More, twice as much as what you're thinking. Amen? All right. Jim is going to come and play an old hymn for us tonight. And as he comes and plays, I want you to consider what Satan may have stolen.
And if you're ready tonight to lay claim to the blessings that you've lost, you say, Lord, help me, I pray tonight, to begin to lay claim to the future that you have for me.